people who know me pretty well know that I'm all about the journey and being introspective about the life that I'm living, the decisions I'm making, and the journey that I'm traveling. And I always tend to think that I'm one of the most introspective and self-aware people that I know. And that it's almost like you think you're the best basketball player and then you meet somebody who's a little bit better, just a little bit better. And when you're talking about being introspective and the journey and how you're processing life, you don't necessarily want to think of somebody being better or greater. I think we all have our different uh, journeys and ways that we process and uh, just process life. But I got to say, it's been a while since I've been so impressed with how introspective somebody is. And uh, that is my guest today on Mark My Words. He is Lee Everett, an amazing, amazing guy. And we actually have some interesting uh, similarities in our journey that I can't wait to talk about. He is, and I'm going to try to get this right. We talked about it right before we recorded. This is a man who is doing like a billion different things. <laughs> he is a life coach, alignment and transformation coach, according to his LinkedIn profile. And he is also involved with the uh, NeverEnd. And uh, that is a media company that I just learned about it the other day. I didn't even know that Lee, you were involved with that. And he is a partner with Down to Earth Co- Down to Earth Co-op and host of LinkedIn Local Charlotte. I could go on. Oh, it'd probably be better if you introduce <laughs> everything that you do. Welcome to Mark My Words, Lee. How you doing? Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. And I appreciate the, the introduction. That, that means a lot. Well, hey, you earned that just from, you know, the moment that you got my attention on LinkedIn with your uh, video, your posts about the story of you being let go from a job and how that really changed your life. And just how straightforward and honest you were about all that. I was like, that's a guy I want to follow. That's somebody I really want to get to know. And we'll get into that story in a little bit because I feel like that's something that, at least from my perspective, you can tell the story. But from from where I was sitting, I was like, wow, that's, really seems like it was a life-changing experience that propelled you to where you're at now. And uh, you can obviously uh, correct me on that. But, uh, uh, definitely, definitely so, man, definitely. Um, one thing that I really, again, just preparing for this uh, discussion, I one thing that really got my attention right off the bat so I was a guy who was born with cleft palate and lip. It's also kind of like a genetic, I call it like a package deal. There were some issues that 
I had with it in addition to just having a clap with palette. And that has brought a lot of interesting experiences to my journey. And the story of you being diagnosed with OCD at such a young age, that really got my attention. And just how you've been dealing with that since really just resonated with me because I can remember being around that age and teachers telling me that I wasn't going to be able to keep up in school and needed special schooling and, you know, Mm -hmm. wasn't able to, like, read out loud or speak out loud or just be a speaker. So I went through all of that in my journey and I just want you to kind of go into, because I know how all of my obstacles have shaped my life and have had an impact on me. We'd love to know and just talk a little bit about how things like that really uh, affected your drive and determination to, you know, be a better version of you. Yeah. Um I guess for me, you know, starting at an early age, it was a, it was always a big pendulum swing. So, you know, I was diagnosed really young and, you know, I talk about this a lot. I I was diagnosed around four or five years old and uh, I was diagnosed with a bunch of different things, OCD, defiance disorder, um, some, you know, something with anger, the the list went on, right? So when they diagnose you with something, they just give you a whole laundry list. And from that list at Duke hospital, they actually gave me a, you know, the wrong medication. So they gave me a medication that actually almost gave me a heart attack. It shot my heart rate up so high that they had to give me four or five doses of volume just to start bringing it down. The my mom told me the security guard walked me around the hospital over and over and over just to kind of get everything settled in. And um, it was really a scary experience for her because, you know, she had never come across anything like that. She had actually worked with, mentally and physically disabled kids in the, in the school system. But for her, you know, that was her first, I was her first child and she had honestly never had dealt, you know, with something this personal at home so severe. Uh, Cause I tell people just to kind of put it in perspective. Uh, I was licking carpet floors. I was washing my hands so they would bleed. I was holding knives up to my chest um, I was in a really, really dark place. Um, a lot of depression and a lot of anxiety because what happens with obsessive compulsive is that one, they say there's a lack of serotonin and two, it's basically like this feedback loop. So you get something on your mind or you start thinking about something, right? Like we all do, then you obsess and you obsess and you obsess and you obsess and you can't necessarily break that loop sometimes. And then the compulsion comes from breaking that obsession. So, you know, how that shape me growing up is that when I was growing up, the biggest thing my mom taught me is that you control your own mind. Um, from that scare, she knew right then and there, we didn't want to go the medication route. Um, you know, my mom's not somebody that had new Eastern philosophies or new natural remedies with health or was against Western medication at all. Um, actually my family is known to take a lot of medication in the sense for health and, mental and physical, you know, disorders and things that are genetic. Right. So, um, 
something in her just told her that we should go a different route. And we found a psychologist. And from there, that psychologist really helped shape me in the sense of really finding things that were able to work. Uh, Cause we went to a bunch of different psychologists and nothing was really clicking. And finally there was a lady named Dr. Betty and she really helped me um, focus my thoughts and just refocus my attention on what I was thinking about. And if I did get stuck in that loop, how there were ways to, maybe satisfy it. But, you know, by piece by piece, I slowly chipped away on what I would actually compulse on. Um, and so what made it hard is that I was so obsessive that I did really well in school. So like I did, I played sports, I did well in school, I got good grades, I never really had any behavioral issues that stuck out, a lot of anger. Um, but besides that, you know, I, I would try so hard to wear a mask. And that's kind of where I talk about like who's behind the mask a lot is because I was so used to wearing so many different masks in my life, trying to appear as I was normal. Uh, Cause when bits and pieces would get out about my disorder, um, you know, it's just, it, it resulted in me getting bullied or resulted in people not understanding or losing friends or poking fun at that. So that's kind of how to answer your question that, that shifted that early on. Um, especially at a younger age. And I'm glad that you brought up the topic of masks because I did read that article that you wrote on LinkedIn about masks. And I thought that was a really interesting way to talk about what you had been going through just to kind of keep up with everything that you were doing. And uh, I'm really interested in knowing what was the point where you said, you know what, I I can't continue to keep putting on all these different, I, I hate to say personalities, so I'll just use your word, masks. Like, mm-hmm. where do I draw the line and say, you know what, I just have to be me? You know, if I'm being honest, it's probably maybe like two two years ago, man. That's how long it lasted because, you know, even growing up, you know, I played the the mask of, you know, different things, class clown, quiet guy. You know, I went through all these different phases trying to figure out who I was, you know, whether it was my clothing or outer experience or appearance, right? Like we all do as we're children that continued from middle school to high school to college. And I think I almost was running on autopilot because I was trying to suppress so much of my thoughts and anxiety because it always ebb and flowed. Like I'd get control of it and then I'd lose control. I'd get control and lose control. And that's why the word control is always interesting to me. Um, You know, because we only can do the best we can. Sometimes we can't fully control everything, obviously. And so, you know, I would, lose that control. And then I would obsess over things that were subconscious. You know, I would lose myself in subconscious things. I'd never, never really knew that I was, um, necessarily experiencing. So I would say that it was probably a couple years ago, man, where I honestly just, I actually went through a big, uh, I don't want to say mental breakdown because people always categorize that in a bunch of different ways, but I mean, sure. Call it what you want, a big depression, big mental breakdown, uh, cause for my whole life I had always been in physical shape and that was one of those vices that I used to escape my mind. 
So again, on the exterior, everything looked fine and great and normal person by society standards. And, um, when I got out of school, I just, I lost motivation to work out. I, I got really, you know, overweight, um, for the first time, time in my life. And I just, I kept staying at home. I got really, really depressed and I pretty much hit like a mental breakdown and hit rock bottom. And that's when I knew like things really had to change. I had, you know, I had some people come into my life and just, you know, I think that universe God aligns people and things in your life as clues and as help. And it's up to us to pay attention to that. And I had a spouse, Madison, come into my life and she really helped kind of reflect back to me what was going on that I didn't necessarily see because I was so far down in the hole. So it was, it was honestly just recently until I got fully comfortable uh, with who I am. And I'm, I'm still working on that today. You know, I'm not a hundred percent there. So with all this stuff going on with you, you're trying to live a normal life and you're trying to hold everything together while all this is going on. And somehow you wind up, like, let me just, because I'm curious to know how you wound up in the field that you wound up in with just everything going on. Did did your experiences somehow influence that? How how did you wind up getting so involved in just talent acquisition, recruiting the workplace? Yeah, that's a good question, actually, because how I got into that, it's pretty random in the sense that uh, I had a mentor come into my life. Um, I was around 21, 22, um, and I was just going through some things again, right? Like I in college, I still like I was so focused on doing things in the exterior, whether it was, you know, fulfilling my time with women or in the gym, or I was always filling up time where I wasn't, wasn't spending time with just me or I wasn't spending time in just silence. And so my dad actually reached out to a uh, second cousin of ours, which is random. And I had never talked to this man and I'll share the small, small snippet of the story with you. So I'm not talking forever. Um, but he, he called me one day and just said, Hey, this is your cousin, Dan, you know, man's in his sixties. I had only met him. He gave me a pair of golf clubs when I was like 10 and I never even played golf. So I never really knew the guy. And he was just like, you know what? I heard you were going through some things, wanted to reach out and et cetera, et cetera. He's like, he said, what you got coming up? I said, you know, I got spring break. He said, we should get together. Uh, He said, I'll call you back. A couple of days later, he calls me back. He said, we're going to go to Vegas. I said, what? He said, be at my house at this, this, you know, this address at this time and have your bags packed. I had never been on a plane, never really traveled out of the state much. And except when I was younger and uh, he he just gave me those plans. I said, all right, I'll be there. And so a couple of days later I showed up and um, he was sitting back in his chair reclined and just kind of looking at me and was rubbing his goatee. He said, he looked at his watch. He said, where you been? I said, what do you mean? You told me to be here. I'm here. He said, well, it's eight 30. You know, I told you to be here at eight o'clock and uh, let me tell you this. And let me tell you this now is my time's very important. You know, I see something in you. I'm spending all this money for us to go places. I know we don't know each other, but let's just begin the lesson here. And, you know, people's time is very important. Be on time. I was like, shoot, man. I'm like, all right. Like, <laughs> you got it. And 
you know, we got on the plane and this man talked and he talked and he talked and he talked. And I was like, what the hell have I gotten myself into? And we got there and he hands me $300. He said, look, we're going to have a good time. Let's have fun. We had a blast. We're about to leave and I hand him $300 back. We're all close to it. He said, son, he said, I've been watching you this entire time we've been here. And because he's very, you know, he did everything on purpose. Everything was, was arranged for him. He said, you've got a gift and that gift is insatiable curiosity. He said, I know you don't see it. And, you know, I know you don't understand yourself fully right now. He said, but you're capable of things that's so much bigger. You know, I grew up in a two stop like town. He said, you really, you know, I see something in you that um, is just special. And he wanted to take me kind of under his wing. And from there, man, that really changed my life. It taught me a lot about business, taught me a lot about, you know, how to articulate certain things and, uh, you know, share my voice and what I was doing. And for, for three or four years, man, we were best friends and he passed away a couple of years ago, but he was actually in talent acquisition. And that's kind of what changed my life is like, I was like, Oh, you can make money by, you know, matching people with jobs. And, uh, and that's kind of how I fell into that. I would drive back and forth from Raleigh and Charlotte and walk in places and apply. And, uh, finally got on some companies and, and learned uh, the ins and outs of that. You know, it's interesting what you just said about, oh, I didn't know there were jobs like this. Mm. I went through the exact same thing. I worked in, well, still do work in broadcasting, I guess, but uh, I had a job in the television side of broadcasting for a number of years. That was my focus to be in TV production, broadcasting, and that's what I wanted to do. Meanwhile, I didn't realize just because of my own journey and some of the obstacles I've had and mental blocks, people telling me things mm-hmm. that weren't necessarily true about myself. Yeah. I didn't realize that I was actually a pretty good manager and pretty good with people and actually had a passion for people and the workplace, work environment. And I didn't learn that until I got out of being a technician and got promoted. And it's amazing sometimes what we learn as we go through life. And mm-hmm. that, right that one sentence that instantly made me think of how I didn't know that I had any of these, I, I hate to say the word talent, but those talents were in me, kind of mm-hmm. like doing this podcast. You asked me like two years ago if I'd be doing this, I'd be like, no way. There's mm-hmm. no way I would be like, who who am I to do a podcast? But that's all part of the journey and it's all part of learning. And obviously your mentor had a huge impact on you. That was life-changing. It did. It sent my life down a different path, man. You know, cause we get stuck telling ourselves these stories, you know, like you were explaining, like I was explaining, we tell ourselves these narratives and we start believing those things about ourselves before we've ever even tried. So as you're coming out of college as a psychology major, it looks like, is, is that something you were focused on doing is something with psychology? Yeah. I, Cause I, I, I switched my degree quite a few times. Um, 
Because at first, oddly enough, I wanted to go into law enforcement. A lot of my family um, was in law enforcement. I wanted to help people. And that's kind of when he came into my life and he said, look, you know, no offense to anybody that's in law enforcement. He said, I think you can, you're just destined to do, you know, other things. And, um, you know, I switched from that to biology. I love biology, but then it's just, honestly, it was so much invested. I was like, I didn't love it enough to study it, you know, for school. And it was difficult. And uh, I was like, I didn't really know what I was going to do with it. Uh, I just thought it was interesting. And so then I switched to business and psychology um, and had always loved psychology. Um, you know, I guess if I, if people say, if you could do it all over again, right, I may would go back and do something with like clinical psychology with children, but I always just love the mind. I love learning more about how we worked in and out of a textbook. Um, cause I, I think nothing can be real world experiences and just through my own journey, I just was really interested in those, you know, those type of things. Well, knowing the path that you followed both before college and in the early years after college, <coughs> excuse me, I feel like that whole idea, like those influences of going to uh, talk to uh, a psychiatrist and talking through all that stuff, those experiences and just the diagnosis, uh, did all this stuff influence the way you went about being Mm -hmm. an account manager and a recruiter and how you treated those that you worked with? Mm. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, It definitely did because growing up, I was always, and still am, very empathetic because I know, I know what's, I know what, anxiety and depression, just your own mental battles feel like. So especially in corporate America, um, I saw a lot of pain, you know, I saw a lot of people going through a lot of stuff and, you know, it, they didn't always know how to handle it. And then, so, you know, especially in a sales environment, you know, it was very heated sometimes and people's emotions got out of hand and it could be some really toxic workplaces. And that's really what it kind of attributed to me hitting that mental breakdown is because I was in some bad environments. I was in some places that just were cutthroat and was all about the money. And I fell into that hole. And what I've learned about myself is that when I don't align myself with what I'm actually passionate about, that actually escalates my obsessive compulsive. So I'm real big into astrology and some other things. So I try to study those things and it, it, it reflects back to me. Um, what triggers those types of behaviors because a lot of times we think it's just genetic, but there's a lot of things at play um, that go into that. And so, yeah, it helped a lot. It's helped a lot in my life. And that's why if people ask, I would never go back and, and not have what I've gone through because it's made me who I am today. So you've basically just taken all those different topics where it's something you've been through or something you've just experienced and or something you're interested in and you've just taken a lot of those things and turned them into your passion. Like you've just basically built your life around all that stuff, which I think is amazing. I guess in a way we all kind of do that because I guess I wouldn't have wound up in broadcasting. I was completely obsessed with 
things. I was obsessed with TV schedules <laughs> as a kid. I would get the TV guide and was like, oh, wow, the Flintstones are on at this time on this <laughs> channel. And, you know, here's this show on that channel. So we all kind of, whether we know it or not, no matter what the battle is or what we're going through in life, we all kind of wind up. Do you, well, let me ask this. Do you think we all, based on all that, wind up where we're supposed to be inevitably? Ooh, that's a good one. Oh, man. I think about this almost daily. Um, you know, because I, I think fate and destiny and predetermination versus free will and, you know, choices is, is very complex, I think. And so I think, I, I think there's like this back end, this is going to sound out there, but I almost think there's like this back end program, right? That's running, um, you know, like an intelligent design, God's design, the universe's design, whatever uh, adjective you want to put to that. Um, I think it's almost something that, you know, it's, it's ha- it has its design to it, but it's almost like a maze. We, we have choices. And so, you know, different choices, we can still get to the same destination, but at the same time too, we can make other choices and may not reach this destination in this lifetime. Cause I, you know, I don't think this is our only trip. Um, you know, I think we experience maybe this world and other worlds and a bunch of different things. I'm, I, my thing I always say is that reality is a lot stranger than fiction. Um, and so that's what I've kind of directed my obsessiveness to is, is that very question is, all right, well, how much, you know, of what I do and decide and choose versus how much is already kind of like predetermined. So I almost think we have like this plan even probably before we get here that we've maybe planned or part of the larger design and we're playing our role and playing our part. And inevitably some of those things are going to happen, but you know, I think we have some choice too. And that's where it, you know, it still blows my mind because we get so fixated on control and we don't always control. I don't think everything that we, we think we do. I think we can tr- control our focus and we can control how we respond to things. Um, and outside of that, you know, it's life's weird, man. <laughs> I hear you, man. We could get stuck down a real rabbit hole with this. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause I I've been think stuck in a few. <laughs> this all goes back to my intro. Cause I feel like I'm pretty introspective with some of the very topics that you just touched on because I think a lot about the fact that wow I feel like I've been here before I even mm. as like a kid you know I'm talking like three four five years old I always felt mm. like a certain level of awareness and maturity that not saying I was like the most mature you know kid soul. on the planet hopefully I wasn't but uh <laughs> I've I've just always felt like I've somehow experienced either life or this world before. Yeah. I've always just had that feeling as I've navigated through. Obviously, there's been a lot of lessons to learn because I don't know it all. But 
I've definitely felt that way my whole life. And I definitely agree with a lot of things, like pretty much everything you just said about uh, the journey that we travel. And uh, yeah, wow, we, we could go... You know, it, and we, and we won't we won't really ever know right you know it's no and that's one thing i try not to tie myself into a certain belief too much because because mm-hmm. then we you know it, it crushes the imagination and crushes the creativity and i mean what do we really know right like we know some things and we can prove some things but that's it's a lot limit more limited than people think yeah no i uh totally agree i mean you read a story every once in a while that some kid somehow, and there's one story in particular that I'm thinking of. Some kid claimed that he was some actor in Hollywood in a past life, like a century ago, and he was tormented by the demons, I think, of that life, that experience, and it was, you know, he was almost living with that personality in this life, even though he was just a kid. I don't know if you've ever heard that story, but, uh, not that one in particular, but yeah, I've heard of cases like that. Um, you know, they can remember even kind of like you said, you kind of felt like it before. And I think that's where deja vu and other things come from. And there's a really interesting movie. If you haven't seen it called cloud Atlas, uh, definitely recommend it. It's about reincarnation and past lives and it's got Tom Hanks and a bunch of folks in it. So it's good. And it tells an interesting story. makes you think about it. Tom Hanks and reincarnation. That's right up my alley. Yeah. So <laughs> I will have to check that out. Yeah. It's a good one. So, man, I, I'd love to keep going down this rabbit hole, but I want to talk about what I view is the curry. Who? Another, it's allergy season here, so I got to get a drink. This is the one thing about talking and doing a podcast I was worried about because I keep getting, like, these little allergy attacks. Like, I'm not going to cough during this episode. No, you're good, man. That's the one thing about podcasts is that, or about life in general, is that we got to realize that nothing's perfect and we gotta we got to stop this illusion that, everything's picture perfect and crisp and unflawed and you know because that's just not how it is and that's the trap that social media has set and all these other things that you know and even media production stuff things come out so professional like wow that guy's got a great life and then you meet him and you're like he's normal just like i am you know it's the same it's the same thing no i Hey, that's why you're on this podcast, because I appreciate that perspective and keeping me real. I keep it real, but you're keeping me real. <laughs> so I like that. Got to sharpen with another sword. <laughs> well, putting all that aside, so there was a story, the whole reason that I connected with you on LinkedIn. So you had an experience where you got fired from a job and maybe I'll let you tell the story since I can't hundred percent remember it. I just know that I really love the way you talked about the experience and how it changed your life. 
And since then, since following your journey from that day, I feel like you've just been seizing the day and then some and doing amazing things. So I'll let you uh, take the, the microphone here and you can call that story. Yeah. So I worked at a large corporation um, and part of me wants to say their name because I really don't care, but I'll, I'll keep it professional, I suppose. Yeah, I never, I don't even talk about companies that I've worked for or do work for now. So, even though I I love all the companies I've been with. Yeah, and I will say, you know, it's not on my background or my LinkedIn. So, like, I don't want anybody thinking it was one of the companies I was at. Um, I took all that off because it was that bad. Um, So, I worked at this large organization on the corporate side. And long story short, um, they were blatantly racist and ageist. And, you know, I've seen, I had seen this stuff before in recruitment and that's kind of what got me tired of the industry and just the BS because no matter how much you try to consult with these managers or business owners, sometimes people just were stuck in their ways. And it was really frustrating to me because, you know, you'd get a job and they say, go find this person. And they either subliminally or blatantly tell you like, Hey, like, make sure they're not too old or make sure they're not, you know, too junior, too experienced. You know, they use those terms to dance around it. But this organization was blatantly uh, racist. And um, I was brought on by a buddy of mine who, who, who is African American, really good friend of mine. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm working and doing well. And then I start seeing these patterns. And so like, man, I'm like, something's not right. And being in this environment, it, I like to write. So it would cause me to write certain things. And it wasn't about the organization. Like I'd get ideas and then broaden it. You know, if I see something that was biased, I talk about bias in the workplace and just different topics, right? So they were so paranoid that they ultimately thought that I was talking about them to the point where I was talking to a colleague one day and I noticed her phone was upside down. And based off her body language and how how she kept moving and wanting to touch her phone, but didn't, you know, I knew she was recording me. I called her out on it. She lied. And then I called her out again and she ended up admitting, Oh, I thought you were trying to trick me into saying that, you know, we didn't hire that candidate because he was black. And, um, you know, that very reason right there shows that there's something to hide. If you're going through all these precautions and recordings and uh, red tape, whatever corporate lingo you want to use, um, that, uh, these people are, they know what they're doing. They just have a certain culture, which is funny about culture. Right. So I just really got fed up with it where I really just raised my flag and just was like, look, you know, this guy's awesome. You guys are blatantly being biased against him. So they skipped him through the process. They're like, okay, we'll, you know, we'll interview him. And it was complete BS, right? He came back. We became had become friends. Little they didn't know, and he was updating me with everything. Very smart guy, and then he was just telling me how the interview went and all this. I'm like, man, that's not even how they normally interview. So that's how I knew something was up. And so I just kept going on and pushing that. So the the the, the spotlight got put on me big time. And from there, uh, as you know, I talk a lot about mental health, and I would record videos like two minute videos at like lunch i wouldn't take a lunch break um so i'd sit there and work all day and then i'd occasionally do a two minute video here and there at my desk 
typically around lunch. And uh, it got to the point where I guess my friend got some pressure put on him from above. And ultimately he was just telling me like, okay, I had to change this on my profile, how to change that, how to take this off, how to stop talking about that. And then it came down to, all right, you can't post any more videos about mental health from nine to five or eight to five. I was like, I can't do that. I didn't, I didn't give a crap about the followers, the likes, the views, but I did care about silencing my voice. What little voice I felt like I was building. And I was like, I can't. And there's like, what do you mean you can't? I was like, I can't do that. He's like, you know, I was like, it's my LinkedIn profile. I'm not putting anything negative. If anything is drawing positive attention to the organization, because I am talking about positive things, uh, but I can't do that. And so he's like, all right, got a, a couple hours later, got a call with him and HR on the phone and they let me go for using company time and resources, using, using company resources on company time for things that were non-work related. And so they uh, fired me right then and there. HR was very aggressive. Um, you know, I was really surprised how HR acted because we always, you always hear the, the, the term, you know, put the human back in human resources. And there was no human aspect about that based off how I was treated, um, based off how that candidate was treated, based off how they treat other candidates, you know, and, and just simple treating people like humans, giving them a call back, letting them know what happened, being honest with why they weren't moved to the next step. Um, and they couldn't be honest with a lot of people because their honesty would have been biased and illegal or whatever you want to put it, just inhuman. And that's what happened, man. And so I got so, I just got so fed up with it. I felt like I needed to tell people that story because I wasn't there for long. It was right before my son was born. So, you know, honestly, I needed that job for health insurance and all these other things. Right. And it was great pay. And, but I just, and I got a lot of crap from that. You know, I got a lot of people saying, you know, you didn't put your family first and you didn't make the right choice. But um, that night or that day, actually, uh, a friend of mine, Dylan, that's the first time I had ever talked to him. We're still friends this day and have built a great friendship. And we talked and I just kind of let a lot of things out, talked to another guy I had met on LinkedIn. And that's the good thing about LinkedIn. We get to meet people like you and I and other people. And uh, man, I was, I was just crying. I was just I felt broke. I felt defeated. I was like, man, you know, I'm just trying to stand up for what's right. And here I go losing my whole job. And now my son's about to be born right in the next couple of months. And, um, I just really went outside that night and, and sat in the yard and made a little campfire in the backyard and just cried, man. And, and poured my heart out. And that's one time I definitely felt like, uh, God was there. I mean, I felt the presence of God because, and that's an, another rabbit hole too, because I grew up religious, went through an atheist phase. And then now I do, I am, I do have faith. I don't technically believe in a certain religion. I, I just believe that there is a higher power creator. Yeah. I don't know. I, I like to study a bunch of different religions, but I felt like I had a conversation with, with God, the universe, whatever somebody wants to look at it as. And it told me that I made the right choice, that this needed to happen for me to create space for a new path. And ever since then, man, um, you know, to be honest, I've been trying to figure out what my purpose here is, is on this earth because I think we don't spend a lot of time 
I don't think we spend enough time doing that. You know, we're, we go through school and then school distracts us like a job does. And then we're stuck into college and then I mean, it's just a system, man. Boom, 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 boom down this conveyor belt. And lo and behold, I've kept my head above water. I've still done some recruiting. I've done some, uh, you know, resume stuff. I've done some dog training. I've done some media, you know, I've done all these things. Um, just trying to figure out what, what my purpose, you know, here is. And, it's helped me grow a lot as a, a person, a father, a spouse, you know, just grow my soul more and just learn a lot of things. So if that wouldn't have happened, then, you know, we probably wouldn't be having this conversation, right? You wouldn't have, we wouldn't have connected. So it's funny how things play out. Well, I feel like from that point on, rather than just working for a corporation and being a part of the team, I feel like you've really taken the bull by the horns and taken even more of a leadership role in your own life and really taken command with all these projects. Do you feel like in that way, because one thing that's different about you from all the guests I've had so far is that I think everybody's career uh, transition was a little more premeditated, whereas with you, it was like a clear stopping point to that part of your life and was the beginning of a new chapter. Do you look at things that way at this point? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm never afraid to, to try something new. Um, you know, and, I've learned that I've always put too much emphasis on money because I didn't grow up, you know, with the family with a lot of money. My dad was a school teacher. My mom was a stay at home mom and I always chase money. You know, that's what I did in corporate and I lost myself. I had the nice car. I got in debt. I, you know, got aggressive with money. And I just realized that more than anything, I needed to find something that, that fulfilled me, you know, and that I could then help other people. But first and foremost, like, you know, self-care and self-love, I got to think about me first in order to help other people. So I've, I've been ju- doing just that. I've been trying to say, you know what? Okay. I've got this experience. This is what I've learned from it. These skill sets are tangible and, and usable in other things. You know, what can I do that apply that ties into my interests? And so I've just been trying different things out, honestly, man, and just trying to go along with the journey. Um, don't necessarily always recommend that route, especially with a kid. And, you know, it's a lot of, it's been a lot of pressure. Um, but somehow, some way I've kept it afloat. And if I needed to, I've always resorted back to the talent acquisition, but you know, my, my heart's never been fully there after some of those experiences because I've seen the way companies are. Um, and it just takes a certain type of person for me to want to work with in that aspect. Well, when you started up Avalon, what was that experience like? Your talent management uh, uh, agency company? Yeah. Like, so that was that was good. Um, you know, I, I was all excited. I got um, flew out to Arizona and got you know certified in all these behavioral assessments and getting like going back to the mind stuff, um, and just was really going full into it, and then getting all these big contracts. But then I realized I was doing the same thing. I was making more money, but I was doing the same thing 
I was doing for other corporations. It was the same song and dance, but just for myself. But And just because I was doing it for myself didn't necessarily make that song and dance even better. Um, so that's, I mean, I've always kept that stuff going just to honestly like pay the bills and doing some stuff here and there, but it's something I got into. And then I've always, I've learned about myself that if I'm not fully into something, I won't, I won't put my all into it. And so I think you've got to put your all into things if you're going to do it. So, you know, again, I, I was, I would be and still am very selective on who I would work with in that aspect. Cause I don't, I don't want to dedicate all my time to it per se, but I do enjoy it if I can work with the right organization. That is somebody that somebody is conscious and mindful of what they're actually trying to put together. Um, but it, it, you know, it was a good, it's been a good experience. It just, I don't think that's it. <laughs> you know, I think that, I don't know. I may be chasing <laughs> something that's not there, but I don't, that doesn't feel like that's what it's supposed to be. Cause really the, the thing that draws me to it is the money. Because yeah. you're not going to change these companies' culture. You know, let's be real. I've seen companies bringing consultants and all this for culture and all that. It's just, again, it's just a, it's a mirror it's a, or it's a facade. It's a smoke and mirrors. It's, it's not really what they're after. It's, it's time, money, resources. It all comes down to money. It's not really about the culture or the people most of the time. So you more or less consider this just an extension of what you were doing before except you're the boss right and then i can be yeah i can be more selective and that's really the biggest thing and i can partner with who i want to partner with i can because god forbid you turn something down at one of those other companies i work for right because it's all about the money and you do what the client says and i don't want to have to do that if what the client says is wrong or doesn't align with my values or we don't see eye to eye you know it's interesting. You're so like low key about all this, and I'm sitting here like this guy's like an entrepreneur. Like you're you're making it happen. <laughs> I'm trying, man. I don't always think I am, so I appreciate <laughs> I appreciate hearing that. I try to be transparent because, again, you know, I've been successful, but what really is success if you don't if you're not fulfilled? Mm-hmm. And that's the biggest thing for me. And I mean, I can totally relate. I mean, you can be as entrepreneurial as you want to be, but I can just tell just by talking to you that, yeah, you've got a good thing going with the talent management company that you founded, but I've never met a more uh, just, you know, nonchalant, chill uh, (laughs) founder of a company. Like I'm, I'm trying to get excited for what you're doing, and I am, because I think it's really cool. You're just like, nah, it's paying the bills. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's just, that's, that's always been one thing about me, man, is that, um, I don't know, I think I, ha- I had so much going on in my head growing up that I've just gotten to the point in my life where, like, especially how I express myself is it's just that. I do try to be just pretty calm and and mellow and for lack of a better term, chill about things because that's another thing that didn't work out. You know, some of these companies are all like, you know, again, smoke and mirrors, it's suit and tie, it's business, business, business. And like, there's more to life than just running a business that probably is not even impacting anything, but it's making money. 
you know, you got all these companies that are just good at making money, but then what really, what real impact are they actually making? Um, and I guess that's kind of how I started feeling with my work. And so for anybody listening, I still very much enjoy consulting and helping companies build their hiring process and culture in the right way. But again, it's, it's not a lot of, it's few and far between sometimes that you run into the right people, you know, that, that you truly align with on that type of frequency that doesn't just focus on the money and actually is, is looking at their people and not just their people as a product or resource. Well, speaking of people, so what I feel you really want people to know you as is an alignment and transformation coach, life coach. Who's behind the mask is something that, you have just founded recently and I'd be curious to know how fulfilling that has been for you to help people with their journey. So that has been really fulfilling actually. Um, I've had a few clients and it's gone really well. And I will say that the thing for me is that um, with that, I, I kind of hold myself back because I, that is one thing I look at myself and I, you know, again, I'm trying to be as honest as I can because that's just how I am. Um, I look at myself a lot and people kind of look at me as, you know, right. It puts you in a box, just like with mental health, they put you in a box with a diagnosis. And so even with my age, with me being a younger adult, um, a lot of people will assume off the bat that, you know, or maybe I'm even telling myself that, right. Like we tell ourselves all these stories. So there's always that whole play that um, who am I basically to be uh, a life coach? You know, what life experiences have you had at 28 years old where you can coach somebody? And, you know, that it, it all comes down to belief because I know and I believe that I've got a, a ton of experiences, um, especially as it pertains to somebody's mental health. No different than somebody that's teaching about, you know, physical health or nutrition you don't hear anybody bat an eye at somebody that's younger that teaches somebody about nutrition. Right. But when we talk about mental health or life, people start getting funny about, Oh, you know, what do they know about the mind? I had somebody, I was sending out messages the other day and said, Oh, by the way, you know, if you, um, excuse me, if you, uh, if you um, know of any organizations or groups that want to have a mental health speaker, let me know. And he wrote back, da, 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 da. Um, what, oh, by the way, what are your qualifications for that? And said some other things. I was like, I kind of scratched my head for a second. And I was like, well, that's, a, you know, that's just how sometimes the corporate world is. And I wrote back, you know, basically explaining like my life and the story and what I've lived. That's the qualifications. I think I didn't go to some organization and get some CPCC double R, you know, whatever acronyms or whatever you want to throw behind your name to talk about mental health and life and the mind. Um, but yeah, that's something I am passionate about very much so and want to want to continue helping people and just I'm I'm still working through my own self-limiting beliefs and putting myself out there more and talking about it and not being afraid to, you know, come on here and, and share, you know, what I have going on. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm forty one years old and I feel younger than you at this point. I mean, you really have a lot of wisdom, and I think you have a ton to give 
to the world. And I appreciate I, that, man. I think you're an excellent candidate to be coaching people with their uh, journey because your journey in itself is like five lifetimes wrapped in one. And uh, I appreciate that. For I me, mean, yeah, I too, a lot. I needed to hear that sometimes. <laughs> Oh, we all do. We all need to hear that yeah. from time to time. And um, one of the reasons that I feel a connection to you is because I, you don't, I'm not even going to say I feel like you don't. You don't be around the bush. You tell everything as you see it. And I feel like I'm very similar to that where what you see is what you get with me. I don't really, for as much as I can relate to the masks and everything else that you've shared in that regard, I don't really relate to it quite on the level that I think that you're, that you've gone through. But I will say that I, for as much as I can see things I guess it's more for me. I have an ability to see things from everybody's point of view, or at least I make an attempt to do that. Whether I'm successful, I mean, only the other person could tell me, I guess. But I make a real effort. And I guess in that way, that's how I wear different masks in my life. But at the end of the day, which is, pretty much is for both of us here. Um, you know, no pun intended. Um, yeah, I feel like I've always just been, you know, just what you see is what you get. What I tell you is pretty much what I think. There's mm-hmm. no, like, hidden agenda or anything like that. And I feel like even with you maybe having warm masks throughout your life, I got to believe that you're kind of like the same way. And I've, I just really, as I went through reading your story, I really felt that connection. And uh, appreciate that, man. I feel the same with you. I, I get that same energy and, and you don't get that a lot with people, you know, cause it always is. And that's, that's what creates a lot of cognitive dissonance is that, you know, somebody, is one person with their spouse and one person at work and one person with their buddies and one person with their family. And, and so you're playing all these roles. So at what point do all these roles at least go back to you, you know? And so that's probably been the biggest life lesson and probably the, one of the, the best compliments I could ever receive is that I am who I am. And, you know, and again, it's still an ongoing project. I'm still, you know, creeping into that. It's been an ongoing journey. Like life always is. But it's something for me that that means the most, you know, when you can truly feel like, hey, man, I put everything out on the table. Like you said, there is no hidden agenda. I was honest. You know, that's when you feel the best because it's when we lie to ourselves is when we start lying to others. And then when we really can't be honest with our own self, we start losing self-respect and self-love and just, you know, who we really are, our own, you know, identity. I will follow that up by saying probably the most cleansing thing, and I know there's a whole lot of people out there who probably don't agree with this, but 
from my experience in life, I have found the most cleansing thing that you can do is live an honest life. I know that's hard for a lot of people to do, but me personally, I feel like I sleep a lot better at night. I feel a lot better about my life in general, just Mm -hmm. knowing that I'm putting an honest representation of myself out there. And that's advice that I try to give to people whenever I can. Because I think when you live that way and you're not living with a certain objective or motive, it it just makes life so much better. Because whether you're out there lying or misrepresenting yourself or whatever, at the end of the day, you're going to wind up in a very real spot anyway, and it might not be a good result. Mm-hmm. So you're just I agree. you're better off, I think, just living an honest life and being honest with yourself and just doing the best you can. Something so simple, right? But something yeah. so hard for for a lot of people to do. And I think that's why not to take it too far out there, but I think that's why we've gotten ourselves to where we're at today with just our world and our society is that we haven't been honest. We haven't been honest with ourselves and we're, and we're not introspective enough, you know, is we're not looking at our own behavior and, and putting ourselves in other people's shoes. One of the easiest things there is to do is say, you know what, what if that was me? One of the easiest things you can do, man, and not a lot of people do it at all. And it, you know, it breaks my heart because there's so much good out there, but we hold ourselves back from truly connecting, from truly getting to know people, from truly getting to know ourselves because we're, we live a lie. I totally agree. Boy, that's a whole nother like episode topic, right? There. <laughs> yeah. I think we've, hit on like at least three or four topics that could have been a whole hour in themselves. Yeah. Well, whatever we can cover, man, is I hope, you know, people resonate with and more than anything, it just, again, causes you to just look in the mirror and say, and not beat yourself up. Cause you know, I even do that to myself. We got this inner voice and you're, you know, you're bullying yourself and that's not good either, but just saying, Hey, you know, I made a mistake but tomorrow's another day. It's that simple, you know, and hell, I was thinking about stuff last night about stuff that happened years ago that I did. And I was just beating myself up about, I was like, man, I can't believe I acted that way or I can't believe, you know, I behaved that way. And you, the true way to fix it just to feel that and then let it go. You know, it's hard, but just when you really feel it, you're like, man, you know, I'll never do that again. And that's what life's all about. You know, none of us are perfect. And, is if we can just put ourselves in other people's shoes and just tell ourselves, man, you know, that that's not how I should have been or that I, I was wrong for that. I do something very similar, except it's on my 90-minute commute to work in the morning. No yeah, better time, time to think. To think. <laughs> yeah, it's 90 minutes. I have a 90-minute. And sometimes it takes me, I think, on Fridays, so it takes me 90 minutes to get to work, 
and then it'll take me sometimes over two hours to get home. Wow. So I have a lot of time to think. And I'll tell you. a lot of dedication you, to that company, too. I'll, well, I'll tell you, 4.30 in the morning, driving into work, that is not always a good time to get introspective and think. <laughs> or perhaps it is, depending on what mm-hmm. it is that you're thinking about. And that's, it's almost like being up late at night and thinking, except you're waking mm-hmm. up at 3 in the morning to go yeah. to work. Like I, I'm not a morning person either, so... Well, I've had no choice but to be a morning person with the gig I have. So uh, that is the glamorous life of broadcasting. Mm-hmm. But uh, before we uh, wrap it up here, as much as I could probably go on and on with you, I will just ask, so you're doing all this really great stuff, and I almost feel like I know what kind of answer I'll get, but I'll ask anyway. Do you know what is next for you? Oh, so I, I feel like I've kind of finally gotten to this point and I was thinking about it today actually, because, you know, hell, I, I probably know a lot of people, especially on LinkedIn. I'm like, man, this, this guy's all over the place. You know, what is, what does he do? Um, and I'm an advocate that you can do more than one thing in life. And that's another thing I would run into with, with, you know, the talent acquisition work is that they want, if I'm searching for an accountant, they wanted that person to do accounting for 20 years of their life. Even though you could have a great accountant who just got into accounting a few years ago, right? But they wanted to see that career progression. And that's just something that didn't make a lot of sense to me. It's like, why, why do we always have to do that one thing for the rest of our lives? And so for me, I finally got to a point where, again, it goes back to how I feel. It's like, what do I feel the best doing? And for me, it's two, it's two things. I've, I've narrowed it down to two, making slide three in there. Who knows? But the first one is the life coaching. Like I, I do fully believe that I can help a lot of people. Um, I've just still got some self-limiting beliefs to work out. I've got some own blocks that I'm going through um, that I mentioned that I just need to get out of my head and, push past that and go inward and, and learn that, Hey man, I'm just making up that story. You know, I've got people like yourself give me like a boost and Hey, you know what? You do have a lot to, to add. So that's the first piece is helping people with their mental health in whatever capacity. Um, and the second piece is what I'm doing now. And what I'm doing now to again, be fully transparent is that I have no media background. I've had a DSLR camera. You can probably see it right up there. And I, um, I've enjoyed taking pictures and doing some basic videography. I've started to learn to do just recently. And I've got a buddy that's a great guy and he's got a, his own media company called never end and never end stemmed from his own mental health journey and going through self-harm and suicidal thoughts and stuff at an early age. So that's why his, um, company logo is a semicolon because, you know, like with writing the, the sentence doesn't end, it keeps going. And that was kind of his story is that no matter what, um, it doesn't have to end, you know, your life can keep going and you keep progressing. So I've been trying to help him gain some clients because I'm good at reaching out to folks and just having conversations and just, and he's good at what he does. Um, so I'm, I'm just trying to ride that wave. You know, there's, a, that's again, that's why I don't always recommend this path because there's a 
crap ton of uncertainty. And I mean, you know, I don't know where my dollars are going to come from or what's going to happen. I just try to trust my intuition and, and how I feel and what aligns. So those are probably the two biggest things. And then, like I said, if I were to slip a third in there, my goal is to ultimately have a nonprofit eventually down the road that helps kids um, with their consciousness and just mental health and gives them things to do like with my partner with the permaculture. That's where the big picture kind of clicks in is that I want to work with her to get kids in the community out into nature more with their hands in the dirt and learning about food and clearing their mind and learning about the mind and just something different. So that's the long-term goal. And I think through the media production and through the um, coaching, those two things combined that, you know, I think that's a, a good journey and a path for me right now from where I'm at. It's, it allows me to be creative and I've always wanted to be more creative and then also allows me to do what I'm passionate about. So, and it's really interesting that you use the word creative, because if there's one thing I learned as a manager in corporate America, is that a lot of employees feel like they're not using enough of their creativity. Mm-hmm. And I feel yeah. like by being an entrepreneur or doing projects like a podcast or even a blog or some of the stuff that you've been doing, you're using your creativity and it's very liberating. And I can't think of a better person to get involved in helping kids with their consciousness than somebody like you who's just been through so much and is obviously very introspective and deep. I mean, you're helping me with my consciousness just <laughs> this uh, hour that we've been uh, chatting. Yeah, I appreciate so, it, man. It's it's something that I think is always ongoing and infinite, and you know, we don't know we don't know anything, right? We just only know what we experience and what we feel, and then we really just got to build our imagination, and that's something you know, work and school and a lot of other things have crushed. Um, and I think that's like the elixir to life, man, is our imagination. So I'm, I've just been trying to build that again. There'll be times I'll make up random stuff in my head just to flex that muscle. I'm like, what if this is real? What if this is true? You know, who knows? It might be. We don't, some of the greatest philosophers were the ones that thought the furthest out and we still talk about them today. And a lot of times now there's not a lot of original thought. You know, it's a lot of like repetitive, oh, well, this is what Joe Dispenza said, or this is what Dr. Such and Such said, or this is what Mr. Instagram famous guy said, you know, it's like, well, okay, well, what do you say? What do you want to make up? What do you want to create? What do you want to dream? Totally agree. Well, we're, uh, I think our time is about up here, but if I wanted to reach out to you, about uh, Avalon Talent Management or your alignment and transformation coaching or even never end. All these things. You can uh, take <laughs> it away and just tell me uh, how can people uh, find you and all the things that you're doing, whether you're passionate about it or not, I guess. <laughs> uh, LinkedIn's always a good place. Um, I'm there. Um, I try to be often and at least show up and 
great value. I, I've, I've gotten away from spending too much time on there. Cause again, it's like any other social media, we can spend too much time um, there. Uh, so LinkedIn's always a good way. Shoot me a message. My email's up there. Um, reach out. My website is elevateavalon.com. Uh, you can reach out there, but LinkedIn or some form of social media, I'll shoot you my number, whatever. Um, and then my Instagram, I've tried to post creative and random things there. And then I just played off the whole obsessive compulsive thing. It's the underscore obsessive underscore observer. And um, yeah, that's just where I'll start posting some more of my images and things that I'm working on. That's where I post some of my more like out there things about life and consciousness. So those are probably the two biggest places and you can find me on Facebook or other you know, platforms, Lee Everett, with the E on the end. And also with two T's. Yeah, two T's. Yeah. Like I told you before we uh, started, I'm very picky about spellings. And That's stuff. right, yeah. So, <laughs> Lee has two T's and an E at the end of his last name. And this was Lee Everett, and I'm Mark Schmidt. Thank you so much, Lee, for taking time out. I know it's Playing the day for both of us, and it's even though it's Monday, it's my quote unquote Friday. So hopefully, no, my me, mind was there enough. I hope oh, it definitely. was. To, to definitely, do this. I definitely was. It was a great conversation, man. And it's conversations like this I hope to have more of um, with you and other people. Is just getting to truly know one another and not having any of these masks on and being able to have real conversation. I really appreciate you having me. Hey, you're more than welcome to come back anytime. And uh, even if it's eight o'clock at night and <laughs> we've been up since before the sun has even come up, I'll still do an episode. So I'm all in. So thank you for being here and thank you everybody for listening and I'll be back soon with another episode of Mark My Words. Have a good day.